So several years ago, I happened to be on a trip uh, with a, a group of people from our church, and, and when I was on the trip, we ran into or, or met up with a guy. His name was Joe. And as we were on the trip, as we were talking to Joe, we, we got to know each other pretty well, and we began to sort of build a relationship, and, and we talked about, you know, the normal surface-level things that a lot of people begin to talk about when you're first getting to know or, or getting to meet someone. And over the course of our conversation, we, we sort of shifted, and we went from sort of the, the more trivial surface-level things to a few things that were just a little bit deeper and more personal in someone's life. And, and we began to share with one another, and I was able to share with him the difference that Jesus had made in my life and uh, the relationship that I had with Christ. And it was an incredible experience, and it was a great thing to be able to share with him. And over the course of the conversation, I was able then to ask him if, if he had a relationship with God or if he did, in fact, believe in God. And it's one of those questions where when you ask somebody, you're, you're not really sure how they're going to respond or, or what they're going to say. And, and I could see the wheels begin to turn in his head as he tried to figure out, how am I going to answer this question? And he admitted, and, and listen, we, we were good. Right? We had a, a very comfortable conversation going, but he admitted, hey, listen, I honestly haven't given too much thought to a faith in God. I haven't given too much thought about whether or not I believe in God or, or what's going to happen to me when I die, life after death, anything at all like that. And so as he admitted that, thanks, I appreciate it. As he admitted that, right, we were able to take the conversation a little bit deeper. He was a guy that said that he liked to explore the, the deep questions of the world and try to figure out answers. And so I just sort of asked the question. I said, hey, listen, is there a more important question for you and I to be able to answer than is there a God or is there not a God? Is there a more important, more pressing question for us to answer than what is going to happen to us when our time on earth is over, right? How would you answer that? And he admitted, hey, listen, that is something that, that I need to answer. That's something that I need to drill down on. And, and so I was able to open up my Bible and walk him through God's word and what God's word has to say about what's going to happen to you and to me and to him when our time on earth is done. Right, and we walked through that together so that he could answer that question with confidence and with certainty the right way because it's a question that all of us need to answer. So let me just ask it to you. Right? What is it that you believe is going to happen to, to you when your time on earth is done? Probably thinking through a lot of different things right now. Right, probably thinking through, through what God's word has to say, but if we were to walk around in our culture today, in our neighborhood, or in our communities, and say, hey, listen, when you die, what do you think is going to happen to you? A lot of people would say, you know, I think I'm going to go to heaven. And then you would get to have the follow-up question and say, well, tell me why. What, what, what is it that prompts you in your heart, in your spirit? What is it that makes you believe that? And you know what the overwhelming answer is? Well, I've done a good job. I've tried to be a good person. I've helped out my neighbor. I was in Louisiana this weekend cutting down trees to, to help people that, that were, were affected by the storm at Harvey. I, I helped them out my neighbor's house. I, I just try to be a good, nice person all the time. And at the end, I'm just hoping that God's going to look favorably on me and allow me to join him in heaven. Right? That's what a lot of people would say. Right? But as followers of Jesus, what we know that that is not the case. As followers of Jesus, our hope, our assurance, our confidence that we're going to spend eternity with God the Father in heaven is because of what Jesus did for us on the cross, and we have trusted in him. How? By grace through faith. 
right? Something that, that God has done for us that we didn't deserve, but by faith we trusted in him, and that faith that we have in him unites us to him and gives us the assurance and the promise of an eternity with him, right? But knowing that, that it's not a works-based thing, that it's something that we believe in and have faith in, here's the danger for a lot of people in our culture, and James is going to address that in our word this morning, right? Here's the danger. A lot of people would say, okay, I've checked that box. It's a third grader or an eighth grader or a 25-year-old. I, I admitted, I, I prayed some prayer. I believed that. I said the words that Christians told me to say. And so from, from that standpoint, I'm good. And what I do now does not matter anymore. There was a moment in my life where I settled that. And now I don't have to think about it. Now I don't have to live like it. Now that moment has no bearing on what I do in my life going forward. And, and listen, as followers of Christ, we would hear that and be like, no, 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 no. You haven't fully understood the word of God yet. And if you open your Bible to James chapter 2 this morning, that's where we're going to be, right? James addresses and he teaches right here that an attitude like that doesn't fully understand the gospel, that an attitude like that doesn't really have true, genuine, saving faith. We're going to see in the word of God this morning that, that true faith genuine saving faith that unites us forever in a relationship with God is going to be seen in the way that you and the way that I live our lives. If you take notes, if, if you've got that, that journal that we gave out, or if you're taking notes on something else, I want you to write down this phrase, saving faith works, right? Saving faith works. You can write down a follow-up phrase, and that saving faith always makes a difference in our lives, Saving faith always makes a difference in how then we live, and we're going to see that as we work through Scripture together this morning. Saving faith works. James 2, starting in verse 14, the Bible says this, what good is it, my brothers, if someone says he has faith, but he does not have works? Can that faith save him? And it's a good question for us to think about this morning. I want you to think about James' context. He's trying to help people understand that the way we live our lives, the things that we say, the things that we do, are a direct reflection of what's in our heart. And so he asks us, hey, listen, is it possible for someone to say, I believe in Jesus, but I don't live like it. I believe in Jesus, but that does not affect how I live. James asks the question, can that faith, and the word that is important there, look in your Bibles, Chapter 2, verse 14, can that faith save him? James isn't saying, can faith save him? We know the answer to that. Faith is the only thing that can save us. Go back and read James chapter 1 again. It's one letter put together. We know that James believes faith can and will save a person. His question to introduce this topic to us this morning is, can that faith, a faith that says I believe but doesn't live like I believe, can a faith like that save a person? And it's a rhetorical question, right? It's a letter. He's not expecting people to answer out loud because they can't. He's not there. He's written this to the churches. He, he wants people to genuinely dwell and think about that. So let me just ask it to you, and, and let's think about that together. Can a faith like he's just described that has no evidence in someone's life, can a faith like that save a person? So James is going to give us his thoughts in just a minute, but before that, he's going to tell us a story in the next couple of verses, and the story is meant for him to show just how silly it is to think that you and I can separate what is in our hearts from 
the way that we live our lives. Look at verse 15. James says, if a brother or sister is poorly clothed and lacking in daily food, and one of you says to them, hey, go be in peace, be warm, and be filled. Without giving them the things needed for the body, James' question again is, what good is that? So also, faith by itself, if it does not have works, is dead. Verse 17 is James' main point in this passage. Faith by itself, if it's not accompanied with works, if it's not manifested in how a person lives, his life is dead. And James is going to say that three different times, three different ways in these 12 verses. And over and over again, he's going to use illustrations to support or to argue the point that he's making right here in God's Word, that faith without works is dead. Faith that doesn't lead to action in a person's life cannot save a person, or saying it the opposite way, real faith, saving faith, faith that unites me or you or anyone else that would have that kind of faith to God the Father. That kind of faith works itself out in our lives. In his story in verse 15, I want you to look back at the verse. He says, if a brother or sister, he doesn't say if a man or a woman, he says a brother or a sister saying, hey, this is a family thing here, right? This is someone in our church family. If they were to walk in and say, hey, listen, uh, this is hard for me. I'm, I'm having to be really humble here, but, but I'm in trouble. Right? Well, we don't even have the right clothes to keep us warm anymore. Our situation is that bad. Look, look at the verses. We, we, don't have, we don't have enough for our daily meal anymore. In fact, I don't know where my next meal is coming from. I don't know how we're going to survive. I don't know how my family is going to survive. We are in a desperate situation. And if you've been there or if you've talked to people that are in that situation, you know just how desperate it feels. That's the picture James paints that the guy walks in and says that to the rest of the church family. James says if, if, if as a church we're to look at that person and say, hey, you know what? I'm praying for you. It's all going to work out. And then we dismiss them and send them away. James questions, what, what good is that? But it, it hasn't done anything to help the person there. Listen, that, that was a cultural phrase then be a cultural phrase today. And, and listen, praying for one another is a good thing, but when we have the resources to meet the need of someone in our midst and we don't meet it, we don't do what God has called us to do, James is saying that that's an indication that faith not, might, might not be alive and active in our hearts because saving faith works. Saving faith leads to action. In this case, saving faith meets the needs among the church family. And let me just affirm our church family because I hear about people doing that all the time. I hear of needs that pop up among our church family that are met before the church staff or pastors even hear about them. I hear about, about people that, that are sick and the church springs to action. I hear about people that they need help with their kids, especially this coming school year, and the church springs to action. Uh, uh, Harvey, to, to this most recent storm, to, to medical needs, it has been amazing to see how our church has allowed the faith of God that is inside them to work itself out as we have loved one another. Listen, believe it or not, I could name four people from our church family that laid down on an operating table last year and donated a kidney to someone in their life group class because they knew there was a need that was there, and they were willing to meet the need of someone in our church family. It's been absolutely amazing to see how we've loved one another, how we've done what Jesus has called us to do. That is evidence of faith, right? External acts of mercy, of love, shown to one another are clear evidence of what? Of an internally changed heart. 
the outside, the things that we do, are evidence of the inside, right? What God has already done in our hearts. Saving faith works. Now, you might be thinking, okay, well, hold on. Let me give you an example. Or let me ask you this question, or, or let me just propose a hypothetical situation. And I know there's lots of questions that can come with that. And James knew that when he wrote this in the first century, there were also going to be lots of questions that could come with that. And so James just sort of answers the question. If you're thinking, are you sure? Or how does that work? Let's keep reading, because James answers that for us. Look at verse 18. He says, but someone will say, you have faith, and I have works. Right? James is getting into a hypothetical conversation here with an imaginary friend. And it's not the kind of imaginary friend that would make you or I worried about James to go check on James, right? James is, is sort of playing devil's advocate, right? He's bringing someone else into the conversation to make a point or to address questions that his readers then or that us as, as his readers today might have right there. And this hypothetical person sort of poses the question to James, okay, listen, I think that I could separate the two. I think someone could have some works over here, and someone could have faith over here, and the two don't necessarily have to go together. And there's probably some people today in our culture, in our world, that might think the same thing. And I want you to see how James answers them as we keep reading the second half of verse 18, 19, and 20. James says this, show me your faith apart from your works, and I'm going to show you my faith by my works. See that? Show me your faith apart from them, but I'm going to show you my faith that God has done something in me by the way that I live. Verse 19, you believe that God is one. It's a reference to Deuteronomy chapter 6, the, the Shema, a, a very basic statement of faith or confession that the Jews had then that, that would have brought them all to that point. He says, you do good to believe it, to say it, to recount it out loud, but even the demons believe that and they shudder. Do you want to be shown, you foolish person, he's not pulling any punches here, that faith, apart from works, is useless? So to the person that says, hey, listen, I think they can be separate. I, I don't necessarily think that you have to, to live a life that is in line with, with what you say to have a faith that saves. James says this, hey, prove it. Right? Prove to me that you have faith. I don't know any other way to examine it in your life than by what you say and that what you do, right? How can you show me that it's real other than just letting me see it in the way that you live your life, right? We headed into this fall, and, you know, when the fall hits, school hits, a lot of us are planning to go back to school and get that figured out, but fall for our family this year has also meant fall baseball, and it, it's been a lot of fun to get rolling, and, and we're heading into a new adventure with fall baseball this year. Landon, our oldest, is playing kid pitch for the first time, and so he's had a couple of practices, and he, he really wants to pitch. In the first practice, the coach said, hey, you're, you're throwing hard. Why don't you come try it? And he did pretty well. And so every night this week, he's pulled me into the backyard to practice pitching. And so on a side note, if you know how to teach a kid to pitch, call me because I'm afraid that I'm messing him up, right? I just need a little bit of help, right? But we've been in the backyard, and, and he's been pitching, and he's been doing a great job. And so one of his brothers said, hey, Dad, I want to pitch too. I said, sure, that's fine. Come on up and, and try it out. And so the six-year-old gets on the mound in our backyard, and he stands in there, and he says, Dad, i got to warn you, I'm not throwing fastballs. I was like, okay, what are you throwing then? And he goes, I'm going to throw you my slider. I was like, you're six, you don't have a slider. And he goes, Dad, I've got a slider, and it's a big league slider. i got a Verlander slider I'm about to throw in here. 
And in the back of my mind, I'm thinking, who taught you how to talk like this? Um, and Chelsea's thinking, you taught him how to talk like this. But anyway, um, so we're standing there, and he's like, I'm going to throw you a slider. And we argue for a second, and I'm like, you don't have one. He's like, I do. And it was back and forth, and then I was like, okay. I probably sound like a six-year-old too. You know what? You got a slider? And he goes, yeah. You know what I said? Prove it. Show me. It does no good to tell me that you've got it. I want to see if you really have one. I want to see if you can really do it, right? It's one of those things. The only way to show me, the only way for us to settle the matter is for him to, to prove it and to throw the pitch. And so he, he shook me off a couple of times looking straight into the mitt, and, and then he did a wind-up, and he threw it, and it was a strike. I'm not sure that it was a slider, right? But, but he threw a pitch across the plate, and we were able to see once and for all. Of course, we differed. We were able to see once and for all whether or not he could do it. That's what James is saying here. He's saying, listen, the only way to see if there's evidence of true faith in your heart. The only way to see if there's evidence that, that you are in a life-changing, eternity-saving relationship with Christ is by how you live your life. James is saying here, I'm going to show you my faith by the way that I live my life. You can know that I'm in a relationship with Jesus because I'm a different person than I was before I believed in Jesus, right? God, God has done something in my heart. I have been forgiven of my sin, right? That's gone. I am new, and the way that I live now is different, right? The love of God has set me free from sin. It set me free from hopelessness. It set me free from fear and anxiety and so many other things and you can tell that my faith is real and the love of God is in me by the way that I live and treat others, right? By the works that are flowing from my life. In Ephesians chapter 2, we, we know that the Bible says, for it's by grace that we've been saved through, through what? Through faith. And it's not of yourselves. It's not by, it's not by works so that no one can boast. But in verse 10, the verse right after, the verse that you just recited back to me, it says this, we are God's workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. That saving faith that we receive by grace, right, that brings us into a relationship with God leads us to a life that God has prepared for us of doing good of working. It's going to work itself out in us, right? We can't say that we love Jesus and not be willing to do what he says. It's not just a head thing where we store up a bunch of verses or we store up a bunch of knowledge. It's got to move down into our heart and then manifest itself in our hands as well. Right? If you look back at verse 19, he addresses that. He says, you do well to believe that God is one. He's saying, you do well to believe what the Bible says in Deuteronomy chapter 6, that statement of our faith. That is a good thing that you believe. But he says it can't stop there. Right? It has to come from our head out into our lives. It's James' way of saying that good theology is good. We need to believe the right things. We need to understand the right things. We need to know what the Bible says about and in and each every situation that we face, but, but, but knowing it does not matter unless we're willing to live it. That's what James is saying right here in verses 18, 19, and 20. Listen, the Astros play at 110 today. I want to watch it. My kids want to watch it. It's good that we have that knowledge, but unless we turn the TV on and actually watch it, that knowledge has not made one bit of difference in our lives. We've got to do something with the things that we know and with what God has told us. And in verse 20, he makes the, the same point of the passage a second time. He says, faith without any action that does not work itself out in our life 
is useless. And I want you to think about this because this all ties together. Useless for what? He's making a point. Go back to verse 13, or sorry, verse 14. Remember what he said? He asked the question, can that faith save someone? Right? James is saying that the faith without actions is useless. It's useless to do what he asked in verse 14. He's saying faith without action is useless to save a person. It cannot and will not bring a person into a life-saving, life-giving relationship with God. We've got to remember, saving faith, the faith that is useful, saving faith works. It makes a difference in how we live. And hopefully we're at the place now where we're like, okay, I get it. I understand it. You've said it about 38 times so far. Saving faith works. But give me some examples. Let me see this. How does it work itself out in our lives? And if you're thinking that, then you're right along with where James thought we would be when we got to this point because James gives us some examples. Look at verse 21. It says, Was not Abraham our father justified by works when he offered up his son Isaac on the altar? You see, that faith, that faith, Remember, we've had that before. That faith was active along with his works. And faith was completed by his works. And the scripture was fulfilled that says, Abraham, what? Believed God, and it was counted to him as righteousness, and he was called a friend of God. We're going to look at these verses and seek to understand what they mean and how we respond to them. But before we do that, I just want to make a point here. As, as James is helping people understand a tough concept, what does James do in these verses? James doesn't say, I think. James doesn't say, let me give you my opinion. What James does is James takes people back to Scripture. He takes people back to what the Bible says, right? He opened up the Old Testament and says, hey, let's seek to understand this together. And he did so by pointing people to the Word of God. That's just a great practical life application tip for all of us as we navigate a very interesting and difficult season in our lives for any number of reasons. Our, our thoughts, our opinions, our suggestions, our advice that we give to one another has to come right back to God's Word. Right? We have to be a people that are grounded on and centered on the truth of God, especially when we're encouraging one another or shepherding one another to do what we think is right. All right it's got to come from God's Word. James go, takes us back to God's Word and Scripture right there, and he does so by pointing to Abraham. Right, And we're going to dive into it, but the main point that James is making with Abraham here to support that saving faith works is what? It's that Abraham's faith worked. It wasn't passive. Abraham acted on his faith, it wasn't just intellectual, it wasn't just emotional. The faith that he had in God was evident in the way that he lived his life. And James points to a time in Abraham's life where we see that probably more evident than any other time. In verse 21, James gives this reference to how Abraham was tested by God. You can read the entire account in Genesis chapter 22. In fact, that'd be a great thing to do this afternoon to see the faith of Abraham on display. But the cliff notes are God had asked Abraham to sacrifice his one son, the son that was promised to him, the son that he had waited for for decades, the son that, that God had said, I'm going to do an incredible work in and through the world, through your offspring, through Isaac. And because Abraham had faith, faith that mattered, faith that worked, Faith that made a difference in his life. You know what Abraham was willing to do? He was willing to do the impossible. 
he was willing to do what God called him to do in that very tough moment. And so he goes to the place where God had called him to sacrifice his son. As he's making the, the preparations to do just that, God stepped in. God provided a miracle. God provided a different sacrifice up on that mountain. There was a ram that was caught in the bushes. And in that moment, Abraham had his son spared. He was able to, to make that other sacrifice. And God blessed him in an absolutely incredible way, right? His faith was at work. And in fact, in verse 22, it says about that experience that his faith was completed by his works. And that's an interesting concept. I, I want to make sure we don't misunderstand it, though. It's not saying that Abraham had 96% faith, and then when he did that and proved himself to God, that God said, all right, now you're 100%, I'm going to save you. Right? That's not what it means. Abraham believed God back when God called him to leave in Genesis 15, and in that moment he was saved. He believed God, and the Bible says God gave him, credited him that righteousness. When it says his faith was completed by his works, that the Greek of, of that that word, it means matured, right? He did what God called him to do. He allowed his faith to be active in how he lived. And when he was willing to be obedient to God, his faith matured. His faith grew. I think we can all relate to that, right? When we're obedient to God and we do what God calls us to do, even the hard things, what does that do to our faith? It strengthens us. It grows us. It matures us. When you share the gospel with someone and you walk away, what's happened to your faith? And it's grown. And when you've stepped up and, and served somebody that, that was, was in dire needs and you helped meet that need, what happens to your faith? It's grown. Right? When you've loved your neighbor as yourself, what's happened to your faith? Man, it, it's grown. When you teach a life group class, when you serve in kids' ministry, when you do things for other people like God's called us to do, what happens to your faith? It grows. It's strengthened. It's matured. That's what happens to Abraham Right there, and, and, and that's the point, right? Abraham, the, the father of our faith, he had a faith that worked. He had a faith that, that made a difference. And every time he acted on it, it, it was this thing that, that just grew and grew and grew in his life. Look at verse 24 as he continues. James writes, you see that a person is justified by works and not by faith alone. Read that again. You see that a person is justified by works and not by faith alone. And I read that twice because here's what just happened. I'm guessing that half the people in the room and half the people watching online just said, wait, what? Huh? What, what did that verse just say? Hold on. We, we've been going a different direction here. And the other half that, that didn't say that stopped listening a few minutes ago, right? Um, I'm kidding. But if you have stopped listening, tune back in here because this is really important, right? This verse made us sit up a little bit straighter. And it goes back to, to our original question. How do we enter into a relationship with God? We said earlier, a couple of times, by grace through what? By grace through faith. Faith is what takes us into a relationship with God. Paul writes that in Ephesians 2. We've seen it several times in Romans, right? That, that it's not by works. So when we get to this verse and we read, a person is justified by works and not by faith alone, we have some work to do to understand what it's saying and to understand how it fits into the context of this letter and how it fits in the context of God's word altogether. So we're going to walk through that right now, right? Every time in Romans or Ephesians or Corinthians or the other places in the New Testament when we read that we are saved by faith and not through our works, it typically says works of the law, 
in those passages, the context of those letters and those writings are to a group of people who are trying or who have been told that they are in a position where they must earn their faith with how they work, right? That they must earn their way into a relationship with God based on what they do. And we know that's not the case. So in those letters, Paul says, hey, listen, you you don't have to earn it, right? Jesus has done all that is required in order for us to be saved. All we need to do is have faith in him. And here, James is writing to people that are in a totally different context. James is writing to a group of people that that have been told or who are living like, listen, I checked a box a long time ago. I said what what some other people that believe in Jesus want me to say. And now the way that I live does not matter to God. And as we read our Bibles, we, we also know that that's not true. James has just spent time showing us saving faith is going to work. Saving faith is going to work itself out in our lives. He's saying something that we just claim and don't live isn't useful, and it doesn't bring us into a relationship with God. So in, in verse 24, when we read that it's not faith alone, that completely flows with the context of what we're reading. Right? We know, go back one chapter to James 1, that is our faith that unites us to Christ. That's it. But that faith that unites us to Christ works in our lives. It bears fruit in who we are and in the things that we do and how we live. Right? God's word is, is very clear that, that we are saved by our faith in Jesus. We can't earn it or work towards it or merit it or, or deserve it. Right? It is the free gift of God. And when we have that kind of faith, when we take hold of that kind of faith, real faith, our lives are going to show it. It is going to work itself out in works of good deeds, works of mercy, works of love, like Jesus talks about in Matthew 22, and not works of the law where we're trying to prove ourselves, Works of grace and works of kindness because Jesus has already done all that is required inside of us. Guys, saving faith works itself out in our lives. And it's a big verse and it's a big passage. And there have been, been a lot of big examples and it's possible that the James readers then and the James readers now are, are a little overwhelmed, right? Talking about, man, okay, there, there's these good deeds that are going to flow from my life. And now you're talking about Abraham, the father of our faith that was willing to leave his homeland and leave everything behind. The guy that was willing to lay his son down on the altar to sacrifice him. I can't be like those guys. There's no way that I could have that kind of faith. Are you kidding me? And so James gives another example. Right In the same passage to let us know, listen, this is for all of us. Every single one of us that has faith in God, faith in Jesus Christ. You too, me too. Look at verse 25. He says, in the same way, that same way ties back to Abraham. Right? He's saying that Abraham and this next person had the same faith. In the same way was not also Rahab the prostitute, justified by works when she received the messengers and sent them out another way. James goes from the father of our faith, right, to to the promises of God, that the covenant that God made with Abraham. He goes from Abraham to a Gentile prostitute, and he basically says this. Listen, when faith is active in someone's heart, it's going to come out in how we live. Right? Rahab was someone that, that believed in God. If you don't know her full story, go to Joshua chapter 2 and read about her. Incredible testimony of faith, right? She believed in God, and because of her belief in God, she risked everything to be obedient to God. And James is saying that's how we know her faith was real. She lived it out. It worked out of her heart. Right? James is telling us here it doesn't matter who you are. 
It doesn't matter what you've done. It doesn't matter what your past looks like. It doesn't matter what kind of sin you might be currently struggling in or battling against, right? You can and should have the sign of life changing, life transformation, faith in Christ that results in a different life. Here's what we see. My works, my actions, my words, my life. And it shows people, it shows the world around me what's in my heart. The same is true for all of us, right? Your works, your actions, your words, your life, it shows people what it is in your heart. And so for people then, in the first century when James writes, and for people today who would think, listen, the way I live has no connection to my faith, it has no bearing on my relationship with God, James will say, hold on. Real faith, useful faith, faith that can save works. Faith without works, faith without any evidence at all isn't really faith. Saving faith works. It makes a difference in how we live. Listen, we know we step into a relationship with God. We become Christians by grace through faith. Again, let me just reiterate that this is not a merit-based, works-based thing. We, we can't earn it. We can't deserve it. Jesus did all the work when he lived a sinless life, when he died a, a sinner's death on the cross to forgive our sins and then rose from the grave. And for us, it's faith in that that unites us to God. And when we have that kind of faith that unites us to God, it's going to come out in our lives. A verse that sums this up really well is in Galatians chapter 5, verse 6. Paul's sort of making a similar argument. Some people are saying you have to do this, you have to do that, you have to work this way, or you have to work this way. Paul says, hey, listen, none of that matters. The only thing that matters is faith working itself out through love. Saving faith works. And my hope is that we understand that, that we understand how, how we are called to live as followers of Christ. And, and now, just to ask the question that we should ask every time we come to the Word of God, okay, I got it. Saving faith works. What does that mean for me? What, what, what do I do with that? How do I, how do I live this afternoon, tomorrow? How, how is my life different based on what I know now or understand now from the Word of God? Well, the first thing is this. It just provides clarity for us on how we're to live as followers of Christ. It helps us to understand that the way we live shows us what's in our heart. And so we can evaluate our faith. We can evaluate our walk with Christ to say, do we have that real, genuine, pure, saving faith that James talks about right here? And if the answer is no, we can talk to somebody about that. And if the answer is yes, we can be encouraged, right, that we know that we know that we know that God is at work in our hearts. And as followers of Christ, we can take that second step to say, hey, you know what? My faith is supposed to, to be put to action. Let me, let me just do it, right? Let me allow the, the love of God to overflow out of my life to spring into action into the lives of those around me. And so just look, right? Live with eyes open to the needs around you. When you hear of a need, don't wait for someone to ask. Just step up and meet that need. Allow the love of God to flow through you into the families around you, right? Let's take care of one another. Let's step up and, and, and serve right here in our church. Our CMC uh, blesses our community with food every single week. Let's bring some food and drop it off, or let's show up on Saturday morning at 8.30 or 9 and, and share the love and connect with our neighbors that are coming here that need food. We had a team in Louisiana yesterday helping with storm relief. We'll have more. Let's let our faith express itself through, through love for other people, right? We have opportunities every single day, like Abraham did like Rahab did, to live out the love that God has placed 
in us. So let's live life with our eyes open, ready to let God's saving faith work through us. Would you pray with me? Just with our heads bowed and eyes closed, I just want to give you a second to think about God's word this morning. And, and we're, we might be coming at this from, from all different, different angles, all different backgrounds. And here today, you, you might be saying, this is my first time to, to connect, my first time to worship in a church setting in, in quite a long time. And, and you know what? I'm, I'm not sure that I have a faith that saves or a faith that brings me into a relationship with God. And if that's you, whether you're in this room or online, I want to encourage you right, to, to talk to somebody and make sure that you have that nailed down in your heart. If you're at home, you can text the number on your screen. It's your first and last name. We'd love to connect with you on that. If you're here right after the service by the, the baptistry and the cross down here in the front, we're going to have some people that would love to pray with you. Say, hey, this is what it looks like. This is how you step into that relationship with God and have the saving faith, the faith that works that we talked about this morning. I would hope that, that those of us that are listening, uh, one of our action steps would be that, that we would love the people in our life well enough to discuss our faith with them and to discuss their faith and to just check in and say, how are you doing? Or tell me about your walk with Christ and that we'd be willing to have conversations that would lead people into relationship with Jesus. And then the last thing is just this, very simple. Just allow that faith to work. Wherever you're at this week, whether it's at work or at school, in your neighborhood, allow the, the faith that God has placed in you to work itself out in love to the world around you. We don't need a program. We don't need this big, organized effort. We just need to be Christians with an act of faith, living that faith out wherever God's placed us this week. And God, that's our prayer, right? That the faith that you have placed in us would work itself out in the world around us. God, we love you and we trust you and we thank you that your faith works in our lives. In your name we pray, amen. Would you stand as we worship together?